0: Snap, snap, snap. Yep, okay. Hello and welcome back to the Daily Bible Reading Show. I'm looking at 1 Kings chapter 3. Here it is. I realize it's easier to just move the laptop rather than to move the camera sometimes. <laughs> uh, this is 1 Kings chapter 3 um, and verse 1. Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. So it sounds like he is bringing her into this construction site. You know, he's building lots of stuff, uh, the temple, his own palace, but also the walls around Jerusalem. Verse 2, the people were sacrificing at the high places, however, because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord. So because the temple was not finished yet, People couldn't sacrifice there, and therefore they were sacrificing in these high places. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if this was allowed, but is um, it talking about like mountains? I guess mountains means higher to heaven, higher to God, that kind of thing. You know, it sounds a bit superstitious, but the reason was because there was no temple. Verse three Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of David his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. So Solomon also did the same thing. Mm, Okay, don't know how I feel about that. Verse 4, And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. So here's the thing, you know, he sacrifices in this high place, but God appears to him in a dream. So, is God saying it's okay? Mmm, um, bit touchy, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but God appears to him at this place. He just sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings and says to him, verse four, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. Oh, and almost implying, you know, if you ask, you know, I'm going to give it to you. Uh, verse 6 and solomon said you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant david my father because he walked before you in faithfulness in righteousness and uprightness and in uprightness of hearts uh, sorry in righteousness and in uprightness of heart towards you and you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day so the only reason i'm here I'm here on this throne is because you're showing love to my father. So it's my father's uprightness. It's your love towards my father that I even have this position, this relationship with you today. So that's something very humbling for the king to say before God. Verse 7, And now, O Lord my God, you've made your servant king in place of David my father, although I'm but a little child. I do not know how to go in go out or come in and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you've chosen a great people too many to be numbered or counted or a multitude for a multitude give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this your great people I just want to read verse 9 again because this is the essence of of what Solomon asks for. He says, Give your servant, keeps calling himself a servant. You know, he humbles himself before God. I serve you. You're the king. So please, would you give me an understanding mind to govern your people? You know, everything's in reference to God. I'm your servant. These are your people. Give me something that will help me to serve you, to serve your people. And this is so that I might discern between. Good and evil, for who is able to govern this? Your great people is trying to say that nobody can do this without your help, not even me. And so, Solomon seems to be expressing a kind of inadequacy. I can't do this, you know. Um, I need your help, God, to just do this job that you've given me, this ministry, this responsibility. And I think this reflects his humility. Um, but more than that, I think it reflects his love. So again, verse 1, Solomon, love the Lord. I think it shows that uh, more than anything he wants from God, he wants God himself. He wants to do something that pleases God. He needs God in order to do something that God has given him to do. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So his humility is a reflection of his love, his devotion towards God. And that's a good thing. Verse 10, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this and God said to him, because you've asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, you know, kill everyone who hates you, that kind of thing. But I've asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind. So that none like you has been before you, and none shall none like you shall rise after you. So, make you the smartest, most jai person in the whole land. And it's because um, he did not ask for anything else. So because you asked for this, and you didn't ask for all these other stuff, all this tamba tamba stuff, I'm going to give you the thing that you asked for—an understanding mind. Uh, verse 13, I give you also what you have not asked, uh, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And that's pretty amazing. Um, sorry, a bit more. Verse 15, and Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. So it ends with worship. I think it's a sign of Solomon's thanks before God for giving him this great gift of wisdom. And it's because he didn't do something, but because he loved God. It's because he didn't ask for all these other stuff from God. You know, um, God made me rich. God, make me happy even, maybe. Or God, please um, make everyone else who hates me, make them small, you know, kill them, that kind of thing. Uh, But because he said, um, give me something that helps me to serve you, I guess. God, you know, I can do this thing, I need you. Again, that expression of inadequacy before God. I think that's just right when we come before God in prayer. The reason we ask Him, the reason we come to Him is not to get the stuff, but because we can't survive without Him. And He describes Himself as a servant. He describes Himself as a small kid, a little child. I don't even know how to go out or come in. And um, those times when we are most honest before God, I think it's the times when we realize we are nobody. We're like a kid coming before our dad. Um, We're lost. Um, We need help. I think um, not only is that right, that's the kind of posture that really pleases God. Yeah. Okay, let's carry on. Verse 16. Then two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. Verse 17. The one woman said, Oh my Lord. This woman and I live in the same house, and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth, and we were alone. There was no one else with us in the house, only we two were in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. She crushed him. Ah, So sad. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while your servant slept And laid him at her breast, and laid her dead son at my breast. So, uh, switched, switched the two babies—the dead one for the live one. When I arose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. But when I looked closely, when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child that I had born. But the other woman said, "No, the living child is mine, and the dead child is yours." The first said, no, the dead child is yours and the living child is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. The king said, one says, this is my son that is alive and your son is dead. The other says, no, but your son is dead and my son is the living one. And the king said, bring me a sword. (laughs) So a sword was brought before the king and the king said, divide the living child in two give half to one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, Oh my Lord, give her, you know, give her the living child, and by no means put him to death. So she loved her son so much, she was willing to give him up rather than to let him die. And that's a mother's love, a sacrifice. Yeah, But the other said, he shall be neither mine nor yours, divide him. So she left herself. She wanted, she wanted her half. She didn't care about the life of this child at all. She just wanted what she wanted. Then the king answered and said, give uh, the living child to the first woman and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered and they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. And so this is a great story uh, to tell Sunday school kids because they'll remember, oh, you know, how Solomon was so wise. How to, you know, discern this tricky situation, you know, try to expose who's telling the truth, who's telling a lie. Um, And I think, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. It's a very interesting story. But it's meant to prove that God really did come through uh, with this gift of wisdom for Solomon. That you know, Solomon asked for this thing to help him to tell from right from wrong, to ensure justice and peace. And that's why God gave him the ability to do this. So he was not just king, but he also he was also judge, deciding between truth and falsehood. And I think the way that he did this was he exposed their heart. You know, he was not just trying to tell who was telling the right thing. Because I think when he says verse 23, he says, you know, one says this and the other says that. He's essentially saying, actually, I can't tell. You know, both of them are saying stuff that you can't tell the truthfulness just by hearing it. And so what he says in response, you know, take the sword, cut the baby in two, uh, was meant to expose not just the truth, but the heart behind the truth. They show that one, one was the real mom who really loved her baby and the other was a mom who just loved herself. And I think uh, this connection between wisdom and love, wisdom and love for, um, for God, you know, that's how um, Solomon received this gift, is you know, a response to his love for God. And here it is, wisdom that exposes love, you know, wisdom that shows that love is truly sacrificial, love is not self-serving, I think that's an important connection because it's not just about being the smartest guy in the room or being able to, you know, make very savvy business decisions. But it's kind of wisdom that relies on God every step of the way. You know, God, I can't do this and I need your wisdom to be able to decide what to do next. I think that's a kind of prayer that... I wonder, um, does that sound like the kind of prayer that you make before God? You know, I don't know how to deal with this situation. God, can you help me? I think it expresses our helplessness and our stupidity even, but it shows that it comes from God. But also when we exercise this wisdom as Solomon does here, it shows who are the people who really love one another, who really love God maybe even, and those who really just love themselves. So I think that kind of connection between wisdom and judgment and especially our motives and our loves is something that God's wisdom exposes. You know, we see that on the cross, you know, Jesus Christ is called the wisdom of God, but we see it on the cross, how God's wisdom looks foolish to the world. Because the world is saying, you know, why kill yourself? Why sacrifice yourself for these sinners? But again, it exposes their hearts but it also exposes God's heart for us. God is such a God who loves us that He's willing to give Himself for us. He's willing to die on the cross for our sins. And that's God's love, but it's also God's wisdom. Yeah. Um, Incidentally, just... Just like 10 minutes ago, I was talking to some friends about some YouTube videos. You know, pastors these days is a thing to make YouTube videos. <laughs> and the thing is, you know, you talk about the Bible, you want to appear wise, right? You want to sound like the person who has all these insights into the Bible. And uh, maybe more importantly is what God sees when he looks at our hearts. And I said, I said to my friend, actually, it is a great temptation it is a great, you know, motiv- you know, you do these things, people say, wow, this is so amazing, so smart, you know, so interesting. And it gets to you, it gets to your head. And really, uh, you need to realize that you can't do any of this without God's help. And how, if you do have anything, it's all because, you know, at some point of time, you know, you loved God and you wanted to know God better, and God just gave you insights to be able to have this relationship with Him through His Word, and uh, I confess I forget that sometimes you get caught up in in your own wisdom, in your own sinness, and you think it's from you, and you forget all this. All this is really from God to help you to love Him more. And you know Solomon, even though he was the wisest person in the land, you know he made he already made some you know kind of like dodgy. Mistakes in the beginning, you know, marrying a daughter of Pharaoh, sacrificing in the high places. It shows that, you know, it isn't enough just to be the smartest person in the land. And you need actually always, you need God Himself. You need to rely on God even more, the more wisdom He gives you, even more um, when He, um, you know, uh, even more, just even more. (laughs) Yeah, and it makes sense. Anyway, let me pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh for this uh picture of love that um you loved your uh, servant david and therefore you showed um love towards his son and lord so you know in your love for jesus would you show this love towards us and grant us just um the ability to uh, do your will in a way that completely relies on you Uh, keep us from pride keep me from pride keep me from thinking too highly of myself and help me always to come back to your reliance and in devotion and love Uh, pray this in Jesus name, Amen Amen, Uh, so thank you for listening this has been the Daily Bible Reading Show looking at 1 Kings chapter 3 very interesting passage Yeah. Uh, take care and God bless, bye